0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The object of these arrests is not to get people like Manafort or people like Stone. It's to get them to sing and perhaps even to compose, to create guilt allegations against the real target here, the president. That's the tactic Mueller has used from day one.
1: It's border patrol and the agents that are asking for it. It's not Trump, so you can support a wall without being a supporter of Trump. If the Democrats are going to use their majority in the House of Representatives to block the funds that are necessary to secure the American people, then they won't have their majority
2: for very long. Keep in mind the last time the Democrats sort of followed Nancy Pelosi blindly down a path on policy, we ended up with Obamacare and bailouts and cap and trade, and they lost control of the House.
0: Unemployment for blacks and Hispanics is at the lowest level ever in the history of this country. So why you don't have to go back far, to go back to right here, right now, jobs are out there for people where people could pay their own way, take care of their families. Why would you want to change that? Or what do you do, take dumb pills every morning? And now, Stacey Washington.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, what are we doing? Some people may very well be taking dumb pills every morning, and we're here to put a stop to that. We're here to share the truth. So. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, it is my pleasure to welcome you in, and we have so much going on today. Obviously, um, I want to talk a little bit about new news, because until we hear when the State of the Union is happening, uh, we, don't, we don't really have a, a reason to speculate about that. Until we hear exactly what the Democrats are willing to do when they sit down with the president on the immigration uh, issue, the the border wall, the funding, the, the handling of a lot of issues that have just been sitting out there, that, temporary status people the the so-called dreamers like nobody else has a dream uh we we don't we don't have to keep beating that dead horse and so you're probably glad to hear that i found other news for us to discuss today on the show and as usual welcome back in i hope you had a fantastic weekend we are going to be doing a lot of phone calls we have cassie smetal national press secretary and spokesperson for the rnc coming on and she's going to talk to us about the government shutdown and what it means to go forward. But we are going to talk about the, uh, this, this idea that we don't have a crisis at the border. Uh, I have some information for you. An actual terrorist has just taken over control of one of the drug cartels bordering Laredo, Texas. That's right. Laredo, Texas, an American city, is actually now just across the border from it. And it's one of the areas that doesn't have a completely sealed border. They don't have border protection there other than what the intermittent and sporadic uh, presence of our border patrol can do for them. And so the people there are now having to face the fact that a terrorist has taken over one of the drug cartels bordering that area. That's crazy. I know you're thinking, how could that be? Well, uh, it can be because the Democrats are still sitting on their hands and refusing to protect Americans. And so everybody on the D side wants to talk about, obviously, you know, Mueller has handed down a couple of indictments. He did a, an FBI SWAT team raid on an old guy in his house shoes and his, and his you know, dressing gown. Um, and that's pretty exciting for the Democrats. Democrats are also hooting and hollering. And it's like watching a football game where the people on the opposing side of the stadium get really excited when they score and they, you know, they kind of cheer and they wave it in your face and it gets a little unsportsmanlike, but it's the fans. What are you going to do? There's that kind of atmosphere on the left because they say the president was bested by Nancy Pelosi and she's the true president. She's really the boss. And she's been setting up these types of taunts when she said her branch of government being in charge of Congress makes her co-equal to the president. Now, we all know from our civics classes and from our general knowledge of the Constitution, which is higher on the on the right side of the political spectrum, that that's not true. But truth doesn't matter to Democrats. Truth isn't something they deal in on the regular. So this isn't something that we're going to hear from them. They're not going to change their mind all of a sudden and start saying, you know what? You're right. We're treating this like a football game. If it was a football game, I would totally get it. I am one of those people who screams in the stands at games and Cheers my team on. I enjoy the crew that sometimes is there, which they're all dressed in the colors of the team they're supporting, and they're, they've got antics, they've got chants, they've got jokes, they have immediate reactions to anything that happens on the court. I love that. But this isn't a basketball game or a football game. This is our life. This is our life as Americans being lived out on a day-to-day basis with people who are very unserious, Nancy Pelosi being one, uh, AOC being another. That Ilyan, whatever her name is, who's barely an American and she wears the turban to the uh, to the Congress. She wears it everywhere she goes. She claims to be for um, freedom for women, but she can't even uncover her hair in public. She's not allowed. (laughs) So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about um, the Texas governor weighing in on the fact that they found ninety five thousand voters on the rolls who weren't citizens of this country. They were registered to vote. They are currently registered to vote. And guess how many of them actually voted? 58,000. Yeah, so we're going to get into that too. Um, right now, I, I thought it was interesting that Dana Bash over at CNN, she was chatting with you know, a, a panel of, of other DNC operatives, and they were talking about how the messaging about the Dems being soft on crime was actually starting to soak into the American people, and I read some pieces this morning. I, I I try to read on both sides. Like, there are people who totally think the national emergency declaration by the president would be a very prudent thing for him to do. And then there are other people who, um, they feel like if he does that, it becomes a battle in the courts as opposed to the battle for the safety of Americans. And right now he's winning on that front. Even though polls show him, you know, highly in the, on the negative side, Americans are getting the message. Americans are getting the message that There's crime going on and it's due to a a porous southern border and that the Democrats don't seem to care about it. That message is resonating. And so there's a a, a bit of thought that says we can't stop this um, this this transmission of information. If we do, if we deflect over to an emergency declaration, then Americans will stop paying attention to the crime on the border and they'll begin to pay attention to the lawsuits and the Ninth Circus and all of that. And I do see some logic in it, mainly because we know that the Democrats have already prepped you. As sure as I'm sitting here black and paying my taxes, the, the Democrats already have drafted their objection, their lawsuit. Um, they've already claimed standing in the Ninth Circuit. It's all, all the paperwork is stacked up, just like I got topics right here stacked up on my desk. It's all, the, all it needs is for someone to run it down and pay the filing fee so that they can get get heard on an emergency basis. And, and the judge is going to give the emergency injunction has already they're already prepared to give it. They probably already have written up what they feel is the reason why they can enjoin the president of the United States from taking a national action from a circuit court. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV, but I, I know that is not constitutional. All of these judges taking it into their own hand to um, stop the president from doing things that that's just not the way this is supposed to work. Now, Clarence Thomas did say that it would eventually have to be ruled on by the Supreme Court. And maybe this is that time. But there, that's that's the one side. Now, the other side, Lindsey Graham has said publicly on Twitter and other places that the president does have uh, a, an option for uh, getting getting this done in the courts and that The Supreme Court would have to rule because there are plenty of experts, namely border security patrolmen, the head of border security, the head of DHS, all of these experts, people in the field who understand that can provide documentation about the nature of the emergency. And so it would really be a matter of does the Supreme Court want to rule on it? And I I kind of feel like they wouldn't have a choice. They'd have to take it. But how long would it take for them to get to it? If there's an injunction, it doesn't necessarily mean that it rises to the level of them immediately stopping what they're doing and ruling on this particular case. So there's a lot to it. But I think it's interesting that we have Democrats, the uh, in heavily entrenched swamp rats, are all coming out against the national emergency. They're coming out and, and saying, look, we, we maybe should, we should have a commission. Maybe we should sit down and discuss this with the Democrats, which, by the way, since the president said he'll now negotiate with them or or begin to start the process of the wall funding conversation, they've gone from negotiations to discussions. They've even changed their language in the short, what, was it just the weekend since we found out that the president was going to sign a, a bill to reopen the government? So now, obviously, the next question is, does he let the government close again on the 15th of February? And If he does, does it become the same exact fight all over again? And has the fact that he decided to let them reopen the government so that they could talk about funding the wall, has that what some are calling capitulation, does that mean that he's in a weakened position? Well, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of, you know, this one's weak, that one's strong, et cetera, et cetera, then it may look that way. But I I caution against falling into the trap of treating everything that goes on in Washington like a win-lose Zero sum game where their team is winning and we're losing. As Americans, when it pertains to immigration, El Chapo and all of these other uh, drug cartels don't care if you are a American on the right or an American on the left or if you're some kind of libertarian. They don't care if Rand Paul is your guy or if you're a Bernie Sanders Democratic socialist. They just want to deal drugs in your neighborhood to your kids. They don't care if you voted for the Republican or you held your nose and voted for Mitt Romney. They're not looking at that. They just want to know if someone in your house has disposable income and is interested in putting some of that disposable income in their veins or up their nose. Or if maybe some of your kids are interested in dealing drugs for them or assisting MS-13 and gaining a foothold in your neighborhood. Drug cartels don't see this as a left-right game, other than they're very grateful to the Democrats for leaving the border open for them to continue their multibillion dollars enterprise. Drugging and killing Americans, decapitating Americans, selling our children into sexual slavery, raping women and girls, and sometimes boys, raping grandmothers. When you look at the list of crimes that MS-13 and drug cartels are perpetuating across the country— it should be patently clear to you, unless you're a dim bulb like most of these Democrats, that this is not a left right game. I'm Stacey on the right. This is a conservative Christian talk program. But when it comes to immigration, this is an issue that it shouldn't matter where you fall on the spectrum of political thought. It's is it right or is it wrong to allow people to come to this country illegally? And kill us. If you think that's okay, then obviously you're over there with Nancy Pelosi and you think MS 13 has a spark of divinity. But if you don't think that's okay, if you think it's wrong no matter what, and you're not worried about uh, who we are, you know, and all of these little political slogans started by Barack Obama, um, the reputation of our nation will go from being the Statue of Liberty to a wall. you know what? I don't care what other nations say about us. I care about the kids who are running down the streets of America right now, who, as far as they know, they're going home to safety and security until they go around the corner to and, and just run into the middle of a drive-by shooting and their collateral damage. That's who I'm concerned about. So it's this is about right and wrong. And we need to change the conversation. We need to change the way we talk about this. And I'm not there's, there's no political shifting going on here. For those who listen to the program and they're waiting on me to come out as a Democrat, you will continue to wait. And you'd better get comfy. Get your pillows, get your popcorn, get your prepper stuff out because you're not going to see it. But if you're going to wait, you might as well be comfortable. This is about people dying. And uh, oftentimes when people say, well, everyone's going to die, like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, well, everybody, we're going to die in 12 years. We, well, didn't they tell us that, like, I don't know how many years ago, uh, you know, Al Gore said 2012 was the year. He convinced so many people in Hollywood they made the movie 2012, which, by the way, it's my favorite apocalypse movie. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, but he convinced millions of Americans that we were all going to die of global warming's catastrophic consequences if we didn't do something about the climate. Not only has that date come and gone, but everything he said was going to happen. The reverse of it has happened because guess what? Al Gore doesn't control what happens on this planet. He is not the one who made it and also didn't create the Internet. And he's not the one who decides whether or not mountains fall, oceans, tsunami, or if the land cracks open in earthquakes. That's not his role. He can predict and so can AOC, but only one entity controls what happens there. And I guarantee you, he's not down here on Earth with us running around spouting off conspiracy theories about what the climate is going to do. We, y'all know who I'm talking about. Don't make me ask. I'll say it. God. God controls what happens here. So the, it, all of this distraction tactics, all of this cheering, rah-rahing, left, right, yada, yada, yada about immigration. We got to get back to talking about the reality of the situation. Mom's going to bed tonight crying. Because they don't have their kids anymore. The ultimate in family separation. That's what this is about. Get on the right side of this issue. Forget the politics, get on the side of right, not wrong. We'll be back with Cassie Smetal right after this. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums and strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable it's Medishare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than twenty-five years. Medishare members report saving around five hundred dollars a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster, and say hello to Medishare.
2: Call star star three four five to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. Metashare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345.
0: Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I personally think that one of the ingredients missing from the church today is a holy sense of desperation. Have you ever sat in a church service where you sang the songs, heard the prayers and listened to the message and yet you said to yourself, boy, something is missing here there's ritual but no life we need to take a hint from the early new testament church in acts chapter 9 verse 31 luke summarizes the incredible sense of god's work by making this statement so the church throughout all judea and galilee and samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy spirit it multiplied this church was characterized by three dominant spiritual dynamics things that we need to hold on to number one the verse says that they were growing they were being built up secondly they were worshiping that's represented by the expression the fear of the lord it wasn't just a ritual they were caught up with god and his presence and the awe of him uh, thirdly the phrase the comfort of the holy spirit tells us that they were yielded to the holy spirit these things ought to typify our churches We ought to be growing, and we ought to be worshiping, and we ought to be driven by and yielded to the Holy Spirit. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. It's really a reminder to all of us. The Church of Jesus Christ is not an institution or a club, and Christianity in this culture was never intended to be a business or an industry. The body of Christ is a living organism, and God wants us to be alive in order for us to produce life Let's grow, worship, and respond to the Holy Spirit in holy desperation. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Welcome back to the program. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Welcome home to American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Stacey Washington, host of the show here, and it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm. We have a little bit of, I see my, my producer thing's not working down here, so I'm assuming we have our guests. I'm just going to go with it. Um, so I want to welcome our guests this hour on the pro. Oh, Okay working to get Cassie perfect. So while we're waiting on that, uh, I want to point you to um, something fun. I put a video up on Facebook and on Instagram describing what was for me the ultimate and fangirl moment, which happened over the weekend. Uh, We have an event that happens here annually. Uh, It's a really fantastic conference. Some of the best people in the world come speak at it, and they always bring their books. Their latest book is always kind of debuted at this conference. It's called Education Policy Conference. Uh, the purveyor of the conference, the creator, and she runs it, and she's been running it for 30 years. This is the 30th anniversary year of the conference, is Donna Hearn. She runs um, a, a, a it's a think tank here out of St. Louis. She's a pro-life warrior, and she's been in the movement. She was actually the first, I, b- I believe, first head of the Department of Education under Ronald Reagan, so she has a really storied history. She's an author and a really um, fascinating person, and So she has this conference every year, and this year's keynote for Saturday was um, someone fantastic, someone that we often feature his audio clips here on the show, is Tucker Carlson. You know, I've told you, you got to get the book, you got to get the book, you got to get the book. Now, I have the book. I also have the, um, I just want to show you guys, if you're watching the live stream, not only do I have the Audible, the Audible CD that I listen to, it's not a CD, it's download on your phone, I have that, but I also have Tucker Carlson's hardback cover of the book, and it has this fantastic illustration on the outside. It's a cartoon image of Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and Zuckerberg and Clinton and Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and and others. And mine is now super valuable because not only do I have my cute little stamp in there that makes sure that people don't get tempted to lift my book when I'm out somewhere carrying it around, but this book is signed by Tucker Carlson. He actually... Typed, he, he wrote my name out and spelled it correctly. He laughed. He was just brilliant. He was, um, you know, how you sometimes will see someone on TV and you really like their work. And you just think to yourself, um, you think to yourself, you know, I wonder what they're like. And I've heard a lot of stories about Tucker Carlson from people that I know who work at the Daily Caller and got a chance to interact with him through that before he was full time with Fox. Uh, he he still owns the Daily Caller, but he is the co-founder and he used to work there. And that was where he worked on a daily basis. He'd be there. And I've heard from people that he's got a really just amazing wit and that he's very personable and he's very real. But it doesn't really um, it doesn't matter what people tell you about somebody. It's when you meet them in person for yourself. And often we don't get to. So you just have to take someone's word for it. And someone you know, I've, I have met people who are famous who are, you know, and it doesn't happen often. Who They're amazing on television, but when you meet them in person, you get the feeling that they just would rather be anywhere else. They're, they're just tired of meeting people or whatever, and that's fine, but it was not my experience with Tucker Carlson. He was in a room jammed with people who had they, they had actually signed up to get a picture with him. Now, I wasn't one of those people. I didn't attend the conference this year. I had family commitments and a whole bunch of stuff going on with work, and so I couldn't make any of the sessions. And so I didn't even get to hear him at the luncheon on Saturday, but my friend is one of the people who hosts this amazing reception every year. And so I signed up to be a helper at the reception. So I'd have the opportunity. I, I just thought I'll see him in person, maybe get to maybe get him to sign my book. I don't know. Well, it was so much more than that. He took a picture with me and my friends from book club and um, it was my friend Shannon, her her home and her her entire a uh, big deal, per having everybody over, and there were a lot of famous people there: Frank Gaffney, Sam Sorbo, um, her son Braden Sorbo, who's kind of up and coming in the conservative movement and doing a lot of great things. Um, Tina Griffin. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, it was a star-studded thing. Roger Federer. But beyond that, it was kind of a big deal that I was like, I was literally ten feet away from Tucker Carlson, and where I was standing, chatting with some friends and observing the picture melee. He just smiled and was genuine with every single person. He laughed a lot. I mean, not the polite laugh, but the boisterous guffaw of someone who is enjoying himself. He's very easy to laugh. He, he finds humor. And you know, if you make a comment, he, he finds the humor in it. And he was running late on time. And they only had him for a certain number of hours. And so they knew he had to leave to go catch his flight. And they were trying to get us in and out for the picture. So we went in. He signed my book. He signed the books of a bunch of my friends, and then we took a picture with him. And then afterwards, according to the time, he should have been out the door, the front door. But instead, he goes down into this area of my friend's home where we were all seated, and he stayed in there with us for about a half an hour answering our questions. I got to ask him a question. He actually called on me and then answered my question And I have to say, I haven't had this much fun meeting someone who was a celebrity, like a a rock star in the conservative movement, probably since I went to 2012 CPAC. It's been, I've met a lot of people and they've been great, but this was the cream de la cream for me. So anyway, enough fangirling. Oh, yay. We have Cassie. Okay. So now we're going to chat with Cassie Smettle, national press secretary and spokesperson for the RNC and another fun, fantastic person. Cassie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Stacey.
1: And I have to say, that's how I feel about you. I don't ah. have more fun talking to anyone <laughs> as much fun as I have talking to you.
3: <laughs> I love it when you come on. I love it. And I, I, I tell the kids about it over dinner. They're like, who'd you have on today? I'm like, oh, I was chatting with Cassie. They're like, from the RNC. I'm uh. like, yeah, they get to know like the people who come on the show. And they're that's all fun. still laughing at me, Cassie, for my fangirling all weekend. I was showing off my book. Basically, just to them because I didn't see anybody else. So I just showed them multiple times how my book was signed by Tucker Carlson. They were, my, my one daughter, the younger one, was like, Mom, you're his biggest fan. I said, That's what I told him. She said, No, you didn't. I said, Yeah, I did. I said, <laughs> Tucker Carlson, I'm your biggest fan. And he just laughed and laughed. And he was like, Thank you. <laughs> that is great. And I think he loved it too.
1: You know, he had not get on a Tucker Carlson fancake, but I was talking with a non political friend over the weekend. Uh, I guess laughing about this as well. And we just he really is a happy warrior for the cause, which (laughs) is really fun.
3: He is. He just cracked jokes like a regular Mm -hmm. person, Cassie. He was like, you know, how I imagine it would be if you and I went to happy hour or we went out to eat or have coffee, (laughs) we'd be laughing and stuff. He was like that. And he he cracked some pretty funny jokes like he's not a half joker. He's a full on joke cracker. It was pretty good. I so. believe it. I believe
1: yeah. it. That's so much fun. That's so fun when people meet your expectations in person that you have for them. Well, I always try
3: not to be too, like too expectation-y. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was trying to keep it in the middle, but I, he just was so like, I, when I heard him laughing, I thought, is he laughing? Cause he's got to be tired by now. And he just kept on, like if someone That's said something, but he just kept laughing. So um. OK, so let's pivot over to I know you have info for us and I've kind of been railing and raging against this whole thing where, you know, we're treating this like a football game. Are we winning or are we losing as opposed to the serious issue that we're facing at our southern border with the immigration crisis we have? And the Democrats are really leading the charge in making this a juvenile type of a contest instead of a true debate about a very needed solution. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens, like, what what do you know about what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks? We're, we're particularly interested in whether or not the president is going to have the State of the Union this week. It's going to have a what? I'm
1: sorry.
3: The State of the, the Union.
1: Oh, the state, right. Well, first of all, for perspective of the the Democrats making a juvenile game out of this, the numbers of people crossing our border are higher than they were in 2014 when Obama stood in the Rose Garden and called this a national crisis. And everybody said, yes, that's right, we agree with you. And remember those were the child migrant caravans? Yeah. And our numbers are greater than they were then. So for Democrats to be sitting on their hands without their own – peril and the peril, not just political peril, but the real the reality of the peril in their own communities. So that's why they should be taking this seriously. But what we know is um, the conferees who have been appointed in both the House and the Senate, those are really pragmatic people who will be more compelled than maybe some others to get something done. And I think have good relationships across the aisle and you can I, I feel optimistic about their ability to get something that the president would sign. But that's what I love, the president's tweet when he said, we're going to try this, and if three weeks we still don't have a deal, game on. Because Mm -hmm. he's not letting this go, and I think that's important for people to see that he is yet again willing to put, you want to call it a football game? He's willing to put every play out there on the field, and if he needs to use that nuclear option of calling it a national emergency, I think he's willing to do that, but not just yet. Now to your question about the State of the Union, Word on the street is that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I'm not breaking any news to you. I don't have this confirmed. But my feeling is that it will be as soon as next week. Uh, And I think that's because the president is saying, I got to do this. I got to get this out there. We can't have another moment where Nancy Pelosi gets to play games with us. So I feel like... Well, she
3: said she needed the government to be open. So in my mind, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Just when when do... When when does the uh, the actual, well, when are they available? When can everyone get there? I, I, I see it as a logistical issue. I haven't heard her say anything about it, but I know that the, the baseline requirement that she had that the government be open has now been met. And so I would expect that the president would be permitted, invited, and properly ushered in to do the State of the Union, which I think is going to be super important for getting the remainder of his message out to everyone because everyone will be watching. I have to say... Um, So as just a little side project, and I guess this kind of shows you who I am, but I ordered (laughs) the season one of The Apprentice. Now, I already seen all these episodes. When my kids were small, me and my husband used to watch The Apprentice, it was our like decompress moment once a week because our kids were small and they were all close together and they were like a real handful. So when we finally got them down (coughs) and in bed, we would, you know, get some popcorn and stuff and watch The Apprentice once a week. And it was so fun. We liked Donald Trump back then. Not because we thought he was political, but because he was so entertaining with the boardroom and all of that. So I've been watching it, and he's very matter-of-fact. I think one of the things that people don't realize about him, that you can realize if you watch The Apprentice, because that's the only way you're going to get behind-the-scenes stuff with him now, is that he's very pragmatic and he's also very matter-of-fact. And we saw that last week with his decision to not allow airports to shut down and not allow you know, government mm-hmm. employees not to be paid. How do you see that pragmatism working out now that it's really the ball is in the Democrats' court to actually do what they said they would do, which was come up with a number now that the government's open?
1: Well, and I think that's just it. Is He showed the ultimate sign of pragmatism. And by the way, now I'm going to have to go and re- or in order season one because I want to go back and
3: watch too, but You can't get it on live stream. So the, the, the horrible Hollywood people don't have it on live stream on Amazon. You can't get it anywhere can. online. You have to order the DVDs. Just warning you. Why
1: am I not surprised? I,
3: I was looking all over. I'm like, I should just be able to live stream this like everything right. else. They don't have it available on Amazon or anywhere that you could like normally get it
1: you can create a movement. It's going to be like the number one DVD
3: I should sale. make copies and sell them myself, but I'm sure that's illegal. Like, that's not yeah, something that's, I can do. Yeah, I would do. want you
1: to get in trouble there. But <laughs> interesting to go back and to look at the consistency. Of, we know how he's going to play this. We've known Donald Trump for a long time, and it should be no surprise. But I do think that if – right now, I will say this. The Democrats are – they – I mean, of course, they have the media on their side, they have Hollywood on their side and whatever else. So they've got everybody giving them cover. But I think that Nancy Pelosi came out looking okay during the shutdown process. But if she does not negotiate with the president and if they do not, um, she doesn't commend her uh, conferees to actually be serious and work on a deal – It will be at her party, her, her party, and in particular, those freshman Democrats' peril. And this is what I think isn't being talked about enough. Um, I'm confident the conversations behind the scenes with her caucus are among those Democrats who ran and won in districts that President Mm -hmm. Trump carried in 2016. I'm confident the conversations to their leadership right now are saying, hey, we got to have something to write home about. And thus far, you all haven't done anything. You haven't given us anything to write home about, and we are hearing it because – we campaigned on being people who would work across the aisle, who would be pragmatic, and right now you haven't given us an opportunity to do that. So I think we were starting to see it a little bit at the end of the shutdown, some cracks on the left, and even Pelosi was acknowledging that. You'd hear all of – even Steny Hoyer and James Clyburn, mm-hmm. the Democrat leadership – yeah. They would slip up and they'd say, yeah, yeah, I think we need to have some sort of barrier or, or, well, I can see some conversation about a wall. And I think that's happening throughout the Democrat caucus. So my feeling is those people are going to be even more vocal um, against Nancy Pelosi's do-nothing tactics if they don't get something done in these next three weeks. And I think that's the long game that Donald Trump is playing.
3: You know what? You bring an excellent point up because those people, I, as soon as you said it, it just like jogged my memory. Those were the ones who were running on being moderate, but they're not because mm-hmm. they won in areas where they, if they didn't say they were moderate, they couldn't have won. They were the ones who propelled the, the Democrats to take back the House. Now they've got people who are probably emailing them and calling and saying, you said you were moderate. Why are you listening to Nancy Pelosi? Why aren't you fighting her on this? We do need a barrier. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because what they're doing is setting themselves up to lose the House in 2020, um, you know, barring their election shenanigans with all the voter fraud. Uh, they, they're, they're really setting themselves up for a huge backlash in 2020, which could propel Donald Trump back into the White House.
1: That's right. And if we can engage our minds to go to the way back machine, this is what Nancy Pelosi did in 2010 with her caucus on Obamacare. She had all right. of them traipsed out on the plank and walk it and jump off the plank and voting for Obamacare and they promptly voted themselves out of office essentially. And so I think if she continues to go about it her own way or cower to the far left socialist groups in her caucus, the Alexandria, Ocasio, Cortezes of the World, she's going to leave the pragmatic people out in the wilderness where they will have no recourse, no protection, no one to turn to. And that's good news for Donald Trump and Republicans in twenty twenty. But I don't know that Um, is that Democrats can survive that election, and certainly that'll be a short-lived speakership
3: for Nancy Pelosi. Mm, i That's you. You're speaking my language. I should tape this part, just just clip this part of the show, and every Mm -hmm. night before bed I'll hear you say, and that will be a short-lived speakership for Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, and then go to sleep. Um, (laughs) I'm just, I'm so sick of her. I'm so sick to death of her. But I am... So excited that we got to speak to you today. And I will will, will be reaching out for continual updates from you at the RNC because we're interested to see the president really be the adult in this space, which he's been so far, and bring this thing home for Americans. And we appreciate your updates and your work here. Thank you. Cassie Smetel, National Press Secretary and spokesperson for the RNC. Thanks, friend. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Okay. Talk again soon. All right, we will be back with more. Stacy on the ride here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk, where you're at home right after this.
4: Physical activity is the new trend. It's not a bad thing, unless it has brought a sense of vanity in your life. Two years ago, I was not happy with the number on the scale, nor how I looked. I've never been a huge person, but I was, as the old folks would say, healthy. I joined a gym, gained a personal trainer, even changed some of my eating habits. The Lord checked me one day and in my spirit said, why are you disgusted with yourself? Be healthy. Take care of the temple. I've loaned you, but do it because you want to honor this body, which is your responsibility while on this earth. I said, you better let me know, Abba. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 15 pounds down, I know that even if I was to never look like Serena Williams with those nice framed, worked-out arms, I am wonderfully made in his image, and so are you. With the heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com.
0: Listen, do you really know who Jesus is, and let me help you to know who he is. you think about all of these kind of false Jesuses that are floating around social media, Oh, you know the Jesus. You know you got the ethnocentric Jesus. You got the political Jesus, the left-wing Jesus. You know, all these popular Jesuses. But, but the, the question I think all of us need to ask is, will the real Jesus stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Tuned in to Equipped. Weekday afternoons at 12 Central on Urban Family Talk.
2: I was sitting at a motel getting high by myself and looking at my mug shots. I started praying to God, to help me. And Team Challenge, I have now hope, and I'm free from drugs and alcohol.
0: If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult to Team Challenge can help. There are centers across the country, and you can find the one nearest you at 855-END-ADDICTION or at TeamChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk.
5: I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. What caused the tipping point to force a reopening of the government? The two failed procedural Senate votes on a GOP and a Democratic spending plan. Fox is told that the White House was watching closely to see how many Republicans defected and voted for the Democratic package. One source noted that the administration didn't read too much into the yay vote for the Democratic plan by Republican Utah Senator Mitt Romney, as he's perceived to be a, quote, irritant. However, one source tells Fox it was almost a jailbreak. Six Republicans cross party lines to vote for the Democratic plan. President Trump will take short-term pain from the right wing, predicted one Republican source, but he'll be judged by the final product. So, does the government shut down again in three weeks? Consider one of the favorite expressions of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell quote, there's no education in the second kick of a mule. By the same token, one Republican told Fox that if Democrats offer zero dollars for the wall at the beginning of the talks and zero dollars at the end, it's not a negotiation. With Speaker's lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News.
0: Welcome back to Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio
2: and
4: Urban Family
2: Talk. Now, I, I think what you've seen here is the president seeing an opportunity Um, What he did, why he did what he did was because many Democrats had come to us, some of them privately, many of them spoke out publicly, um, that they actually starting to agree with him on the the necessity for a barrier on the southern border. And they had come to us and said, look, um, we agree with you. You're winning the battle on the the importance of a barrier on the southern border, but we simply cannot work with you while the government is open. That's a marked difference, excuse me, while the government was closed. That's a marked difference from where the Democrat leadership was, where they said they wouldn't talk to us about border security ever, Pelosi famously said that even if we opened the government, she wouldn't give us a single dollar for the wall. So I think the president saw a chance here to try and take the Democrats at their word. Some of the rank and file. Also, some of the leadership, Dick Durbin said some decent things about a border barrier. Jim Clyburn, my former colleague from South Carolina, said that uh, if the experts thought we really needed a barrier, he could vote for it. So this can give a chance to the Democrats to prove whether or not they really do believe in border security and are willing to go against Nancy Pelosi or whether or not they are so beholden uh, to their leadership that they're never going to vote for, uh, for a barrier on the southern border.
3: OK, so there is a danger here. And I was watching a video. It wasn't one. It was like one of those man in the street videos. Welcome back to the show. Stacey on the right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We are having phone line issues, so I can't take calls from you. But uh, suffice it to say, we have the rest of the week to get together. We rebuke those demonic phone lines in the name of Jesus, and we are waiting for a resolution on that. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, I watched a video this morning on Campus Reform where they had their man on the street segment where the guy walks around with his phone, and there's a camera guy, so you can get the people's reactions. And he spoke to a number of college students, and he asked them if um, the president were to make an offer to negotiate... and. Give the dreamers amnesty and, you know, kind of basically say, look, for the wall funding and to get the government open, I'll give you, you know, something can can we negotiate? Should the Democrats take the deal? And every single college student said yes. He asked them whose fault is the shutdown? Every single college student said the fault was Donald Trump's. Then he said, well, would it surprise you to learn that the president did offer that he did offer TPS and DACA recipients? Uh, amnesty for three years and money for smart border protections and humanitarian aid, $800 million, et cetera, et cetera. And they were all like, no. And he said, yeah, he did offer that. And they said, oh, well, then the Democrats should take it. And then he said, they're not taking it. They're not negotiating at all. And every single college student said, oh, well, that's wrong. The Democrats should negotiate with him if he's making an offer. Everyone in America who doesn't listen to right-sided you know, news and information – is under the impression that the president is just sitting back, twiddling his thumbs, eating burgers, and 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 um, you know, looking at how pretty Melania is, and not negotiating. He's been negotiating the whole time, and I really hate that. You know, I'm I'm all about winning the fairway. Um, there's this there's this kind of phenomenon with high school basketball, and you might have noticed this. I don't know if if it goes on everywhere, but it's something I'm noticing here locally where if you're watching a JV game, there'll be these amazing players on one of the teams and you're thinking, wow, these are JV girls. They play like they've been playing for four or five years. Well, they're varsity girls, but they play down on the, on the JV team so that they can stomp the opposing JV team into the ground and beat them by 30 or 40 points. So it's not really a fair game because the JV girls on the one side are playing a varsity level squad, but they're playing JV. Then The next game afterwards will be the varsity girls, and those same girls who just played the entire game will play two quarters of the next game, the varsity-level game. Do you see what's happening there? That's allowed. The rules allow you to play up or play down. A JV player can play up on varsity. They can't play more than a certain number of quarters per evening in total, but they can play up, and any person on varsity can play down. So it's up to your coach to say, do you want to play down tonight and help our team win? But to have four or five of them play down to basically replace your whole JV team with the varsity team. Now, you're probably wondering, why are you talking about that? Well, I'm bringing that up because it's kind of like that with uh, the Democrats and this issue with immigration and the negotiation. And just stick with me here. I, I think the analogy works because what Donald Trump is doing is he's playing from clearly he's handicapped because he doesn't have the media. The media are not only not on his side, they don't give him a fair shake. They don't share the things that the the Republicans, like the Republicans wanted to make sure that the government workers were paid while the government was shut down, so they offered a bill up in the Congress. But Nancy Pelosi wouldn't take it. She wouldn't hear it. They voted it down because they liked the pain that the 800,000 workers were experiencing. And they knew that after a while, the TSA workers who... They don't, they don't see their jobs as essential in any way. And I know if you're a TSA worker and you're listening to this show and you're thinking, she hates TSA workers. I don't. I don't hate TSA workers. But the majority of them are not in it for protecting America and the homeland. If that's the case, why did they have 10% of their people staying home and calling off sick because they weren't being paid? Clearly, TSA workers, I would consider that to be an essential function. We fly 1 billion flights a year in this country. So... President Trump plays from a very handicapped position. And the Democrats, in addition to already having all of the media, they play down. In other words, they send all of it. So they they had not just the media on their side, but they had the government workers on their side. We're standing in the bread lines, you know, all that drama that was going on. They had only missed one paycheck and people were already at food banks. Who lives like that? Who makes 60, 70, 80 grand a year and doesn't have more than four days worth of food at their house? Who makes 80 grand a year working as a federal service employee and can't go for more than two weeks without being paid? And I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm looking for my paycheck when it comes. So if this isn't about me being high and mighty or, or not needing money or anything like that, I'm just the reality is, yeah, I'm, I'm ticked when it doesn't come on time, but if it's not there for two weeks, I'm, we're still going to survive. Because you have to set something aside so that you can survive. You have to. I mean, where are the grownups? So he's got everybody against him. Very few people who are willing to publicly support him. And then they have everybody on their side. And which is what's so astounding is how he was able to win the presidency at all with them owning all of the media and them owning everything on the ground and all of the print and the websites. They own Google. They own Twitter. They've got Facebook. They've got it all. And they still couldn't beat Donald Trump, which is why I just encourage you. It's Monday. You've been through the weekend. Hopefully you had a fantastic, restful time. Now is not the time for people to faint and get weak over this issue. If he could beat all of that to win the presidency with our help as the voters, he can certainly win on this issue. And so I encourage you, don't give up on praying for the president and his administration over your meals. When you sit down to eat and you're praying over your food, just say a quick prayer for him as well. Continue to lift him up for wisdom and because I I really feel like it was wise of him. Because remember last week, I was digging in my heels. I was like, there's no way. We just leave this thing shut down. Rift those employees Come on, you want to play dirty? Just, just get it on. That's where I was. But clearly, the president heard something different and decided to go in the opposite direction, giving in and yielding, which is biblical. It is actually biblical to, uh, instead of continuing to fight, doesn't mean we can't fight, doesn't mean we're, we're not called to fight, but sometimes we're called to yield, even if it means some embarrassment. And I don't really feel like the president has anything to be embarrassed about. To see airlines and, and, you know, airports shutting down and to think about the business that's being lost, people who need to fly into LaGuardia not being able to get in there because the airport shut, that's something that he just couldn't tolerate. And some embarrassment and Nancy Pelosi gloating, it didn't mean anything to him. He, co- he compared the cost, he weighed it, and he decided to side on the behalf of Americans that's honorable as much as people criticize him and downgrade him and say the worst things about his appearance and you know all of that there's a real heart there because I would have stayed the course this government would still be shut down this time next year if it was me the quarter of the government shut down employees rift moving on maybe no you know no winning the presidency the next time but the point would be made somebody would be giving in on building the wall. And I understand people who are upset and feel like, you know, that's what he should have done, but that's not what he did. And I don't have access to everything the president has access to, and I don't know everything that he went through in making the decision or what his legal team and White House counsel and and advisors and cabinet members, what they all had to say in their input. He took wise counsel and he decided to go this way. I support it. I think in the end he's going to come out looking a lot rosier than – uh, Nancy Pelosi. And let's keep it real. As sure as I'm sitting here with the permanent tan, you know as well as I do that they're not done overplaying everything that they've got in their disposal. They, they, those Democrats, they don't understand that what we I'm telling you, I'll have to post it on Facebook, this campus reform video. I think it is such a perfect little microcosm of what is going on across the country where you have these kids who they don't get What we call alternative media, like this show. They're not getting it. So they really truly believe that the president is just this horrible monster who won't negotiate. And and I just caution you, we're all susceptible to it, not liking someone and kind of demonizing them out of proportion and beginning to think of them in a way that, you know, it's almost like they're not human. We got to be careful about that because that actually blinds us to the truth and it takes away our wisdom, takes away the ability for us to actually absorb the truth and that's not what god has for us of course we want to win but we don't want to be blinded and ignorant and unable to absorb the truth that's what happens when we let the anger and hatred of someone else take us over and we've all been there we've all been mad we've all been wrong we look there's no nobody has a cornered market on it everybody experiences it people are going to people but that that is what I see happening there. And I want to run down some news stories with you real quick. Um, this story I thought was interesting because it's a Democrat. It should be like trumpeted all over the media. And it's not. It's Sheila Jackson Lee. You know, she's one of the, the hardcore Democrats. She's a, uh, from Texas. She's actually stepping down from two leadership positions. If this is a Republican, CNN would be talking about this on a loop 24 hours a day, 24-7. She's stepping down from the House Judiciary Committee's s- subcommittee. So she's on the House Judiciary Committee sub subcommittee, one of the subcommittees that's really important. She's stepping down from that. Also, she's stepping down from the head of the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. Again, one more time. Sheila Jackson Lee is stepping down from the head of the Congressional Black Caucus. Have you heard anything about it? Did you see it on the news? No? Yeah. You know why she's stepping down? Apparently, it's her decision to step down, just in case you're wondering. It's her decision. Um, according to... This story, National Alliance to End Sexual Violence has said they would not work with Jackson Lee, who has served in Congress since 1995, by the way, as the lead sponsor of the Violence Against Women Act, because there's a lawsuit that's been filed. A former member of her office and the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation said Jackson Lee mishandled a report of sexual assault. And so the Violence Against Women Act people are like, we ain't working with her. She got to go. And so she's stepping down voluntarily To tamp down the news reports, because if she steps down voluntarily, then the Democrats will give her a pass. Calls to her office were not returned. But she does adamantly deny allegations that she retaliated against or otherwise improperly treated the plaintiff. Uh, You know what? I don't know what she did, but it should be news that she's stepping down. Of course, it isn't because she's a Democrat. She gets full cover from the from the media. Now, the title of today's show is this terrorist who targeted Americans actually taking over the Mexican cartel on the southern border. And I'm going to give you this. It's an exclusive over at Breitbart. Um, Let me see what part of Breitbart it's on. Breitbart.com. It's under the border section. But it's actually on the homepage. You've got this verified and convicted terrorist who attacked a U.S. consulate with a grenade and automatic rifle, taking over the ruthless Los Zetas cartel, which is headquartered at the Texas, Texas border in the Nuevo Laredo, Laredo metropolitan border area so Laredo Texas directly across the border from it which by the way is unprotected is Nuevo Laredo they call that new Laredo so they basically name the town on the other side the same thing as the American side don't you just love the Mexican government I mean just I mean you gotta gotta respect how they're just brazen it is the only urban location along the entire US Mexico border that does not have any fencing or constructed security barrier of any kind The convicted terrorist's name is Hector Raul Luna. He's known as El Torre, and he was convicted in the 2008 terror attack on the U.S. consulate in Monterrey, Mexico. He was released from prison due to bribes paid by cartel Jalisco, New Generation, and has taken over the dominant faction of Los Zetas, Cartel del Noresta, to open up the lucrative and unsecured border corridor into Texas. Now, what I wish is that this was one of those stories that A whole bunch of people would email me and send me links and it would be debunked, not Snopes links, obviously, because that's a bunch of leftists high on patchouli and they, they do the bidding of the DNC. But I wish this story wasn't true. That's what I wish, because sounds to me like a lot of moms and dads down in Laredo, Texas are about to have an onslaught of illegal activity targeting their communities and their children while Nancy Pelosi gloats and makes snide comments about how the president underestimated her because she thinks this is a sporting event, not people's lives. Again, I caution you. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. If you can hear my voice right now, it's not an accident. When you condone evil, it's as if you're doing it yourself. Check the Bible, I didn't write it, it's not my idea, but I'm telling you because I don't want you to be eternally separated from God for supporting demonic illegal activity. Don't be a supporter of the drug cartels. We need law and order at our southern border. God bless. We'll be back to you tomorrow.